Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a breakout season for Syracuse football and coaching changes in the ACC. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest is ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson. Andrea, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. And Andrea, I want to get you started on this one. It's a real pleasure to have you on the program in December. The last time I had you on this late in the year was 2013, since that's the last time Syracuse made a bowl game. So with that in mind, which was the bigger surprise in the ACC this year? The rise of Syracuse or the fall of FSU, which saw its 36-year bowl streak snapped? You know, that is a really difficult one to answer. Um, there have been a lot of difficult questions in the ACC, you know, bigger disappointment, Florida State or Miami. But I think not Syracuse making the bowl game is, is a surprise, although uh, I admit I did not pick it in the preseason. I take full responsibility for that terrible pick. <laughs> I think the fact that they went 9-3 and three is probably the bigger surprise. And I say that because when you look at Florida State, I think we all had an inflated sense of what this team would look like with Willie Taggart taking over. And we overlooked what was coming back to this team. This is a team that needed a rescheduled game at the end of last season to even make bowl eligibility. They were a 500 team a year ago at the end of the regular season. And then they lost a bunch of really good players to the NFL draft. So I just feel like with the optimism and enthusiasm Willie Taggart brought to the table, people kind of got blinded by that and didn't look at the roster as a whole, understanding that there were major holes, including the offensive line, which has been an issue for this team over the last three years. Is it a disappointment that they did not make it back to a bowl? Absolutely. I think everybody predicted them to make it back to a bowl. But the fact that Syracuse was able to have such an incredible season, their best season in in decades, I think speaks to what Dino Babers is building there. And we all sense that it was coming, that it was going to get there after the upsets that we've seen in his first couple of seasons. But there was this unknown whether or not they could make that leap because of the division that they are in. Uh, So watching them, emerge as a team that wasn't just going to make a bowl game, but really is the second best team in the ACC, 
I think is one of the biggest developments, the biggest stories in this conference for this season. And so that's my long-winded way of saying I'm going with Syracuse. Andrea, let's move on to some big coaching changes in the ACC. First, I wanted to start with Louisville. Did you like the hiring of Scott Satterfield to replace the outgoing Bobby Petrino? I think it's a good hire. You know, they wanted Jeff Brom. That's who the fan base wanted, and they did go after him, produce coach. He's, he's the local son. He played there. He grew up there. Uh, and Jeff Brom made a decision to stay at Purdue. Um, and so, of course, there's some disappointment when that happens, but I don't think their athletic director could have made a better hire after missing out on the top candidate in Scott Satterfield. When you look at what he's done with that program, transitioning from FCS to FBS, having the success that they've had in just a very short period of time that they've been an FBS team, winning conference championships, almost upset uh, Penn State this season. Um, They've played a lot of excellent competition, very close in the higher tier of FBS. The fact that he's an offensive mind, which I think Louisville needs when Louisville has been its best, it's been its best with powerful and prolific offenses. And the number one thing beyond all that is culture. And that's what their athletic director talked about during the introductory press conference, is they need somebody who is going to change and fix the culture. These players have low morale. Uh, they've been berated. Uh, they've been beaten down uh, under the old coaching staff um, in terms of just not having a whole lot of confidence. And one of the things that Scott Satterfield said during his introductory press conference was, we're going to love on these guys, and we're going to create a culture where everybody wants to play for the man next to them. That's been missing at Louisville, and so I think that was one of the biggest selling points for him coming in there because they have to start over. Everything has to be torn down to start over. How long is it going to take for them to start winning again? That's a good question. I don't know. They don't have a quarterback, really, um, and they've got other issues that they have to resolve. But I do believe that this was the right hire at the right time for Louisville, and everybody who knows Scott Satterfield, I do not know him, but everybody who does know him and talks about him has nothing but great things to say. So I think this was an A-plus job by Vince Tyre, considering the circumstances. Andrea, let's switch to the ACC Coastal now and take a look at the coaching vacancy at Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson announcing his retirement. What kind of coach do you think the Yellow Jackets should be looking for? You know, that's a great question. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if Georgia Tech decides to go in a completely different direction uh, with a coach that does not run the option. Uh, which is going to require a complete shift in scheme, especially with the players that they have currently on that roster, or or if maybe they go and interview uh, Army's head coach in order to continue on uh, what they are doing. Um, You know, the only name I think that's interviewed to this point is Ken Wisenhut, who's in the NFL right now, um, who who has ties to to Georgia Tech. Um, But I do think that after – Watching Paul Johnson and the success that he has had, one of the most underappreciated coaches, I think, not just in the ACC, but in the country, when you look at the consistency of a program, the success that he had at Georgia Tech. Nobody wants to give him credit because of the offense that they run. But to be able to win at a place like Georgia Tech as often as they want to get to ACC championship games, to win an Orange Bowl, I think speaks to what Paul Johnson brought to the table. And so now it's going to be a matter of who can come in 
uh, to a program that not only has Georgia uh, in its backyard, but these other ACC schools that are coming in to the state of Georgia and taking out players when you look at the academic requirements for that school, the fact that this um, program is not in a great financial way, uh, to be honest, in terms of the type of debt uh, that this school has taken on. I think it's going to be hard to win at Georgia Tech uh, moving forward. But having said that, you look at the Coastal Division, and once again, even though there have been this incre- these incredible hires that have come into that division, nobody has taken a hold of it. There is no Clemson on the other side of it. Um, and you have to wonder what it's going to take for one of those schools to emerge because nobody has in the history of the Coastal Division beyond Virginia Tech early on uh, when they joined. Uh, and it's there for the taking. Any of these programs can do it. You look at North Carolina bringing in Mac Brown. What is Mark Brick going to do? A, a really disappointing season for Miami, as I alluded to earlier. Can Virginia Tech get back there? And then you've got a program like Georgia Tech uh, that has the second most appearances in the ACC championship game behind Virginia Tech. Can they do it with a new style, with a new coach? I think that's a huge question mark, and it's really going to be determined by the direction the athletic director wants to go in terms of the hire, the system, and the scheme that they're going to bring in specifically on offense. Andrea, we'll get you out of here on this one. You've already mentioned them several times on the podcast, but Clemson is the best team in the ACC. They'll be playing in the college football playoff. They won all their regular season games. So we have Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. How do you see the college football playoff playing out? Well, I hope we all get uh, Clemson, Alabama, part four. I feel like we've been waiting on that the entire season, really since the off offseason. Uh, I remember last January I wrote a story um, after their semifinal game uh, that asked the question, are, are we going to see Alabama, Clemson, part four? And it sure seems like it's shaping up that way when you look at uh, the fact that both Alabama and Clemson are double-digit favorites. Those are my picks uh, to win the semifinal matchup. Um, and I don't. I think Alabama's probably going to have an easier time with Oklahoma than Clemson's going to have with Notre Dame. But having said that, the question of whether Clemson can beat Alabama to me is all going to come down to the Clemson secondary because what we've seen out of that Clemson secondary against high-powered, prolific passing offenses, not good. Not good results for Clemson. And now Alabama is going to be the best of the group um, if they end up playing against each other. When you look at the speed and the skill that they have at receiver, and of course, if Tua Tungabailoa is healthy, what he brings to the table, that to me is going to be the biggest matchup to watch. Forget about Clemson's defensive line, Alabama's offensive line. It's all going to be those matchups between Alabama's receivers and Clemson's defensive backs that I think is going to determine the outcome of the game. Can Clemson win? Sure, they can win. But I think Alabama is the favorite going in, and that's my pick to win the national championship once again. Andrea, great insight as always, and a pleasure again to be speaking to you in December. Again, Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com. Great job as always. Enjoy the college football postseason. Speak to you soon. Thank you so much, and happy holidays to you and everybody else out there. Andrew is always on point with her analysis. Definitely one of my favorite guests to have on the show. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. 
Brad, we're going to stay with football. Syracuse finishing a resurgent 2018 regular season with a win over Boston College to finish 9-3 and after going 4-8 and the last two years. Dino Bapers, however, was not named ACC Coach of the Year. That went to Dabo Swinney from Clemson. Do you think Bapers is not getting the respect that he deserves? Well, it's not really surprising uh, that he was not named ACC Coach of the Year. And I'll get to that in a second, Wes. But but let me uh, mention these names to you, okay? Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Brian Kelly, and Lincoln Riley. Well, of course, all four of those coaches have their teams in the college football national semifinals. Then I'm going to add Kirby Smart and Pat Fitzgerald. And then I'm going to add the name Dino Babers. And what do those seven coaches have in common? Well, they're the finalists for the Bobby Dodd Award. So I think Dino Babers is getting a lot of respect when it comes to at least national recognition for the job he's done. Now let me go back to what I was saying about the ATC. There's no doubt in my mind, Wes, since Syracuse has been a member of the conference in 2013, there is a media Southern bias to the way voting is conducted for postseason awards in football and basketball. There's just no doubt about that in, in my mind. When you have the majority of the media in South and North Carolina and in Virginia, well, there's going to be a built-in bias. That is just the way it is, especially if many of those media members were covering the ACC for a long period of time before Syracuse joined the conference. So when you're an outlier, and even after five years, I really still think Syracuse, Austin College, Louisville are outliers, Pittsburgh, um, they're going to have voting like this. It just does not surprise me. And you can't argue with it for this season at the same time because Clemson's number two in the country. They won every game. They have great athletes. They run a very uh, top-notch program. So it's hard to argue. But I, I do not think Dino Babers got the respect within the ACC, but I do think he is getting the respect nationally. Brad, regardless of whether he has national or ACC respect, he definitely has the respect of the Syracuse faithful. He's proven to be the right person to lead Syracuse back to prominence. So when do you see John Wildhack announce an extension and a raise for the Orange coach? Well, I think that that's something that is going to happen probably after the bowl game. Um, I don't see it happening before the game. I think there's just obviously too much going on with uh, preparation for the bowls, all the logistics that come with that. Of course, the early signing period for recruiting just before Syracuse plays in the bowl game on December 28th. So I think this is going to be something that happens in the off season. It's given uh, the administration and alumni base and everybody else involved with fundraising and financials and get all of those things in order so they can put a package together along with the rights holder IMG to keep him here. And I think that's something that you'll see during the off season. Now, Brad, let's talk about the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. Syracuse is matched up with West Virginia, a team they're very familiar with, going back to their days in the Big East, and also the 2012 Pinstripe Bowl. How do you see this game playing out? Well, I, I, here's a game against another top-notch quarterback in Will Greer of West Virginia. and He's just thrown for a ton of yards. Danner Holgerson, the WVU coach like Dino Babers, really likes to throw the football and have these crazy offensive minds and uh, with their assistant coaches, you know, dreaming up these, these plays and all of that and scoring a lot of points. So it's going to be a fun offensive explosion type of game from, from that standpoint, really pleasing to the fans and the TV audience. So I was looking to see, you know, Syracuse going up against top quarterbacks this year. Well, they played quite a few. 
uh, the situation with Clemson developed the week of the game where they faced uh, freshman Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and, of course, he got hurt in that game, so we really didn't have four quarters to, to look at him. Then uh, Ryan Finley of NC State came in, of course, the first team all-ACC choice with big passing statistics. And Syracuse, I thought, you know, the defense leaked a little bit, but in the end held enough to give the RNC opportunity offensively to win that game. And then Ian Book at Notre Dame, you know, really – you know, was able to have his way against the Orange secondary in that game at Yankee Stadium. So I think it's going to be about stopping Will Greer, the West Virginia quarterback, and I really think the Syracuse offense is going to be right in gear. I think Eric Dungey is going to go out in style. I think they're going to open up the playbook. He's going to go 100%, so he's going to be running and throwing and, and doing all the things he's doing. So I see a high offensive game, almost maybe who's going to have last possession of the ball will come down to a field goal, but – I think I really like Syracuse's tradition and how well they adopt and play in bowl games. And, boy, Wes, I'll tell you, with, with, what Dino Babers has done in three years, and, and I, I've said all season for this senior class and turning it into a special kind of season, circa 2018, I'm going Syracuse and to win this game as an underdog by about four to five points. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Do we uh, hear about Syracuse basketball lately, Wes? <laughs> It seems like with football success, which is so deservedly uh, uh, appropriate here to, to salute Dino Babers and the job, but let's not forget about the Syracuse basketball team with big rival Georgetown coming up and right in the middle of uh, the non-conference schedule and really do like how this team is developing. Uh, Jim Beheim's very patient. He, he certainly knows what he has to teach. He really likes the month of December when he has about six, seven, eight games under his belt to do a lot of teaching and coaching as the team has, you know, a week, two weeks off, uh, six days off twice in this month. So really looking forward to how everything is going to develop and really how Jim Beheim will have this team ready for the first conference game on January 5th. Brad, you're right. It's so strange to think that it's December and we're really not thinking about Syracuse basketball. And I'm actually going to focus back on Syracuse football. My closing thoughts are on Syracuse kicker Andre Schmidt, who went from walk-on kicker to Lou Groza winner, given to the best kicker in college football. He led the nation in points per game with 11.8 and finished second in total points with 141. What a story for him and congratulations on the well-deserved accolades he's receiving. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that sometimes it might look like that I'm suddenly starting to dance, but it's just that I walked into a spider web by mistake. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 